Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. When we hear the words remote work, lots of us automatically translate that to work from home, but it doesn't have to be that way. For this episode, we're talking with Joe and Emily of The Fantastic Life. They're on a quest to visit all of our national parks and plenty more. Today, we'll get to explore their transition from normal lives, how they balance work and play, and the advice they have for any of us considering our own adventures. Joe and Emily, thanks so much for making time for this conversation today. I'm really excited to share your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. So let's start from the beginning. How did you two decide to live in a van? Well, early on in our relationship and realized that it was going to be more of a long-term thing and we were committed to each other, we decided that we would sit down and plan some pretty hefty goals. And I've always been a planner and a goal setter myself. And Emily was totally into it. So we sat down and we started mapping things out. And one of the things we really loved to do was be outside. And fortunately, the United States has a ton of national parks. So early on in our relationship, we took a pretty long road trip to some cool national parks like the Redwoods, Yosemite. We realized that not only was it really fun to be traveling around, seeing nature and things like this, but we also did pretty well in a small, confined space together, which is important in the style of life. So we started setting out these ideas of, all right, we like to travel We think it would be really fun if we could figure out how to do that more. But then also at the same time, Emily's brother, who had lived in a car before, started putting these ideas of vans in our lives. He was like, man, have you seen these sportsmobile vans? And started thinking, huh, that's interesting. And a side note, we ended up being on a TV show, one episode called Car Matchmaker during this process because they thought our story was interesting. But anyway, it took about, I think we decided about a year and a half for us to figure out not only how to put this plan together, but then how to work remotely so that we could go into the van life and try and do all of it at the same time. So it was quite the timeline to get the van, to build out the van and to do the remote work or figure out the remote work thing all at the same time. Yeah. So let's dive into timeline a little bit. This was pre-COVID and before van life was cool. This was still, as you said, you, you needed somebody to put the seed in your brain of that idea. So you've been in the van how many years now? We will be four years in May. Okay. So before that, what was the setup to kind of kick off van life? I was working in a gym and also had an online coaching company going on as well as some real estate stuff, which I've done for many years now. And Emily works and has worked for True Panion Pet Insurance Company out of Seattle. Okay. So I want to dig in on Emily. It tends to be the folks with quote unquote real jobs. This is a little trickier than the entrepreneurial side of the fence. So how was it in getting your company to let you go remote? Yeah, it was actually surprisingly easy. I had meetings with my boss once a month. And at the time, I just asked, hey, we're thinking of doing this thing where we live in a van and we continue working. Would that be possible? And they were basically said, sure, if you can keep your productivity up. My job is totally productivity-based, which lends itself really nicely to remote work. Not a lot of in-person stuff needed. And they said, if it doesn't work, you'll just have to come back to the office. And I thought, that sounds pretty fair. And I eventually got a new boss and I just brought it up with her. And I said, hey, my old boss said that I could do this. 
just so you know. And she said, great, that's fine with me. And it went on like that through a couple bosses. The hardest thing was actually getting them to give me a laptop, which ended up sort of a fluke story, but I ended up getting one when all of the work servers crashed and no one could work on the PCs in the office. And I just told them, I said, if you give me a laptop today and I work, I'm not giving this back. And they were like, okay, that's fine. Then I think I slowly transitioned. Joe and I moved kind of to South Seattle and I kept working in the office a couple days a week, but started slowly adding in remote days so I could practice and see how productive I could be just working from home when we were stationary, working from the CrossFit gym in Seattle when we were just able to be kind of in those spots. So we kind of slowly transitioned, but they were really great with it. And I was still very productive and probably more productive. They have never had any issues or concerns. So I have to ask, is most of the company remote now? Or do they still go to the office? Most of the company is remote. Yes, they are allowing people back in office. And that's mostly because they offer on-site daycare. And so a lot of people take advantage of that. And some people just like to be in person. But I would venture a guess that 70 plus percent of the employees are remote. Okay. And so you were pretty upfront that you weren't going to just work from your living room that you were going to go on all these adventures. Yes, I was very clear that we were living in a van, we were traveling around, we were not going to be in one spot in Washington State, but Washington State was still our home base. And did you consider it a risk to share all that? Or were you just like, it doesn't really matter if they don't agree, I'll I'll figure out something else? I was definitely nervous. I don't particularly like having conversations like that. I just am afraid of people telling me no when it's something I really, really want. But like I said, they were very, very nice about it and just very supportive through the whole thing. I was definitely nervous and scared. And I, Joe and I, am sure, talked about it. And, you know, if they said no, we were just going to figure out some other way to make it happen. So love it. Love it. So did you replicate kind of the nine to five at first or did you shift your hours much at all? I think at first, I really tried to stick to my particular hours. I had a set schedule of Monday through Friday, and I worked, I don't know, eight to four or whatever that would be. And that quickly changed once we were on the road. I started working Sunday to Thursday because we realized it was nicer to have days off that weren't always on everybody else's weekend. And then just with moving around and going into places to work and all of that sort of thing, I finally just asked and I said, do I need to work these set hours or can I just get my work done however I want? And they they said, as long as you get in the work that you need to and are working above a minimum weekly hours, then work whenever you want. We don't care. So... Love it. It sounds like you really tried to understand what were the goals of the business that you needed to meet. How could you still meet those, but also meet your goals as well? And we're just pretty upfront about, you know, scared or not, but pretty upfront about having those conversations. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think that's a template for all of us because I think we often project or assume that something isn't doable or someone's not going to let us do something and we we get afraid to have the conversation. Then when you have it, you realize, oh, wow, they're actually quite supportive. Yeah. And I think Joe told me numerous times, he said, what's the worst thing that could happen? They could say no. And that's not a bad thing. That's just they say no. I mean, they can't fire you for asking. That was a big lesson for me is it's not a big deal if someone says no. 
And if you never ask, you're never going to know. So Joe, let's talk about your transition, specifically kind of the personal training side, which entrepreneur or not, I think it's in our brains, we hear that and, and we picture kind of the in-person sort of experience, or maybe now we picture a Zoom, a live Zoom class with an instructor and then other folks or something like that. Describe your transition of kind of flipping that business to fit this model. Yeah. So for a long time, we were competitive CrossFit athletes and I was running a CrossFit gym, but I also always had people that I was coaching on the side from a remote stance. But it wasn't clear exactly at that time what the business was going to morph itself into. So having not only done that, but then also having followed some remote coaching myself, which I looking back now in hindsight, I'm like, wow, my business kind of turned into something similar to that. And I didn't realize it at the time. But it morphed from giving people this in-person interaction to how am I going to figure out how to do this if I don't know if I'm going to have an internet connection that's going to be solid enough to be over a video or even sometimes phone so that I can batch my work into places like Emily just described, getting that freedom from her work so that I can give people what I think is enough for them to succeed and fit it into my lifestyle. It's actually, there were several different iterations of how am I going to give people not only the workouts to do, but then give them enough coaching in order to make me feel good about what I'm giving them so that they are, for lack of a better word, going to go hurt themselves, which I don't think that they're going to do, but I want to be able to give them enough information so that they feel confident in their own movement. And that turned into what is the Get Better Project right now and giving people daily workouts five days a week, plus strength, plus conditioning, all of this stuff, in, in including daily workout videos that explain strategy and pre-recorded movement patterns so that people can go in if they want to and get the information that they need and then have unlimited access to myself or two of our other coaches who can answer questions and give video responses and things like that when they need them because they don't need them all the time, as you know. So it's surprising how little people actually need that in-person help when you give them the tools they need first and foremost. Good stuff. Okay. So I want to dig in on a a few different themes that I think are important and that are frankly lessons you've taught me before that I think we can share with other folks. And I'm hearing a lot of getting mentoring from other folks that were on this journey or on similar journeys or had, like you said, the brother that lived in a car, you know, folks that had a similar goal as you and and a little further down the road. It seems like y'all have always sought out advice of folks a little further ahead in the journey. Oh, absolutely. I'm huge on mentoring and picking up things from people. And you know, you have been a great influence in my life as well from that perspective. So thank you for that. As well as looking at these other coaching programs that we've looked at for our work week, a person that you've interviewed in the past, Dan Andrews was a huge mentor and help for establishing lifestyle freedom. So yes, there's been tons of those. And you know whether they're people that are in books, that we're reading the books, or people that are actually mentors that we're talking to on a regular basis, there have been all kinds of different people throughout our lives and my life. True, true. That month in Puerto Galera changed a lot of our lives, for sure. You've also both talked about iterating quite a bit, right? Emily, how you tried to replicate it first, and then you slowly shifted the schedule and said the way it looks today isn't how it looked before. Did you have to work to get comfortable iterating or was that always a mindset that you had? How do y'all think about that? 
So we actually had an interesting conversation about this last night and how we kind of designed our life to give just as much precedence to the things that we wanted to do outside of work as we did to work. So our life is really 50-50 when we look at each week. We're like, all right, what location are we in? What do we want to accomplish there? And then how are we going to fit in the work that we need to get done in order to get a win-win from both sides of these things? So like, for example, right now, we're sitting in Jackson, Wyoming, and we're seven miles from the ski resort. So if it snows tonight, we're going to shift our schedules, assuming that we don't have a scheduled podcast with somebody, and we're going to go skiing, and then we're going to work you know, later on in the day and adjust things like that. One thing that I like to tell people is it's way easier to do cool things when the cool things are in your backyard. And that's where our van life kind of comes into play. So like if you know, if you're in Texas and you've got some really cool stuff to do that's just like right down the street, then you're going to more likely do that than going to, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park because it's so much further away. But if you were in Rocky Mountain National Park, you'd be able to do that really easily right after work. Great points. Yes. When your backyard can move, a whole lot more fun to that. So what other advice would you have for Let's say folks that have already navigated the remote part, they have that, they work completely remotely, but right now they're working from an office in their home or a a pretty predictable place, but maybe they have a thirst for adventure. What would be some of your early advice of what they could do? I think figure out the fun things that you like and what those activities or places that you want to go see really are, and then set yourself up to figure out how to be in those places and do those things because you can work from wherever. So you can make it happen. It's really not that hard, but you just have to know what your goals are outside of work. So it's got to be more than I want adventure. I think that's part of my problem. Um, You really have to narrow down a little bit more detail around what that could look like, even a first hypothesis of it. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, I feel like getting comfortable working in uncomfortable places is also one of those things, you know, like if the person next to you and and the RV next to you or whatever is banging or like playing loud music or like you got to create videos like I'm going to do in a few hours here, I'm going to go out in the back of the campground and someone's probably going to come up to me and be like, oh, what are you doing? as I'm recording a a coaching video. So you just get used to that. But I think that to Emily's point as well, you just figure out what you want to do. And it's okay if it turns out that you don't like it too. You know, Let's say that you, know, you try something and you don't like it. At least you tried it. And that's kind of our philosophy. We've been to a lot of different places and they're not always awesome, but we figured out a few places that we really love. And if we wouldn't have done this, we would have never figured that out. Okay. So what are some other things you figured out? I know libraries are a secret hack that you've discovered. What are some other key insights that you think folks might be surprised to know? Well, I think one of the things we learned early on is you have to kind of have a plan for where you could work. So a little backstory, we started with Joe's cell phone and my cell phone both being hotspots, him on Verizon, myself on AT&T. And we planned on using those hotspots to work. We were in locations where we had decent cell phone service. So we didn't always have to run into town and go to a coffee shop or go to a library. We've since added an iPad. So we have extra gigabytes for data. And we use those a lot. But we don't always have cell phone service that is reliable enough, especially for Joe to do his video editing and processing. So whenever we're picking a new location that we haven't been, I try and have a plan. So I look up 
How many coffee shops are in the area? Are they Starbucks? Are they local coffee shops? Are there Yelp reviews? Does anyone talk about the internet? Does it say they're good for working? Can I look at pictures of the inside? Are there seats? You know, like all of these little things that you start to learn to look for. Like you can search Yelp reviews and see if there's plugs, little things like that. Is there a library? What are the hours? So I feel like whenever we're going someplace new, we always have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And we just know that if we go into a coffee shop and we test their Wi-Fi and it's not what we need, then we're just going to go find plan B. So I guess be okay with knowing that it might not always be easy and it might not always be the first thing or place that you go to that will get you what you need. It sounds like building in some good buffer if there are any key conversations that need to be had. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm thinking our team has bound to have some great questions. So I'd love to flip over to the Q&A side and see if any of our audience members have any questions they'd like to ask Joe and Emily. Mo, starting us off. All right, Mo, I'm going to bring you to the stage so you can ask your question. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Mo. Morning. Uh, Just a question. Now that you're living this lifestyle for a long time, do you feel that you are more productive working remotely and being able to be in the background or that you like? Yeah, I think for myself, I'm definitely more productive. I find that I'm working fewer hours and accomplishing more of my workday, which is super nice. Like I said, my job is completely based on productivity. So it's very, very easy for me to track that. And my productivity has definitely gone up and stayed up as we've been in the van. And for me, I would say that it's not quite as good just because of if I had a home studio with like recording equipment that I could just pop into in and out of whenever I have like the entrepreneurial spark and be like, Oh, I can make a great marketing video on this. It would be a little bit easier, but it's not a huge difference. I would say that there's obviously the creativity that comes from being in these awesome places that I probably am taking for granted. Awesome. Thank you. Good stuff. All right. JT's got a question up next. Hey, Joe and Emily. Since you're traveling around, do you find yourselves going to the same places over and over again to maybe reconnect with some of the same people and friends that you've made in those areas? Or maybe kind of have friend groups that are a little bit more nomadic as well? Just kind of curious how you build and maintain those friendships as you travel. That is a great question, JT. It has actually been pretty hard to build up relationships of other people that are on the road, mostly because a lot of them that we build relationships with are doing it for a shorter period of time. So like they might be out for six months or a year and we have great connections and then they end up finding a spot that they want to stay at or not be on the road or they have kids or you know, it was hard with their animals or whatever it may be, but different places or go back to the same places. We definitely have found some hot spots that we like to frequent at this point. Having been to almost all of the states, including Alaska, we've found that there are some specific places like Southern Utah, Colorado, basically places that we like to ski, mountain bike, trail run. We're always exploring new places, but yes, we do definitely go back to the same places. And it makes the logistics of our work much easier because, like for example, in Jackson, we know that we can go to Whole Foods and get blazing fast internet and I get my videos uploaded in like 30 minutes. And I think in regards to the friends, like Joe said, a lot of people are doing this more short term than we are. So we've kind of had a few folks cycle through our 
lives and our travels here that have been out for a while and now they're done, we also have found that it's a really great opportunity to invite our friends and family to come see us in places that they maybe wouldn't go normally. So we've had Joe's parents up to Alaska. Kendrick came to visit us in Colorado. My family has come and road tripped with us all over Utah and Colorado. So it really presents a lot of opportunities for people from kind of our past life to come out and explore and share what we're doing with us now, which is really fun and makes a lot of really great memories. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Great questions. Let's keep them coming. All right. Emily's got a question. Emily to Emily. Hi, Emily. In communicating with your team members, you know, did you have in scheduling meetings? Like what was your process of sort of entering into the remote life? But still, you know, you said you sort of accommodate your work hours just a little bit. You juggle those, like maybe you switch those hours around. Is your job where you have to be on team meetings? How do you handle that? At least in the beginning when you were sort of navigating moving into a remote life, I'd love to know how you sort of worked with your team on developing that schedule. Yeah, that's a great question. I have the benefit that my job doesn't require a ton of interaction with my team or my boss. So my monthly meetings are really only a one-on-one with my boss once a month and an all-teams meeting once a month. And I know those probably at least a week in advance. So I can plan that, okay, next Wednesday, I have a meeting at noon. We need to be somewhere where I have cell phone service or Wi-Fi and I can hop on. It's usually 30 minutes to an hour and I can be there for that. As far as any other communication, our office uses Microsoft Teams so people can just ping me and leave me a, a message when I'm not there. But like I said, it's really... My job is very flexible in that I don't need to communicate instantaneously with people on my team. They can send me messages and I can get back to them. And that's not at all an issue or impeding any sort of workflow. So sort of lucky in that regard that it took shape that way. That's really cool. Thank you. Have you had opportunities for other roles that might have required a different kind of interaction? And did you consider those? How do you think about that? I do not really want or need or strive for any different job that requires more interaction. I work so that Joe and I can play is really kind of my mindset on my job. So if I was wanting to, I could definitely pursue other careers within Trupanion that would require more interaction and more meetings. And those jobs are available for remote workers. And they definitely would be possible in this lifestyle. Joe and I would just need to plan more and be flexible. So Joe is actually, he has more set meeting times and interactions with people that he works with and podcasts and that sort of thing than I do in my traditional job. I love it. I just wanted to explore that intentionality. I think we tend to lump all of remote work maybe into one big category, but there's actually still different roles and different types of activities within those roles. And so depending on what you want to optimize for, as you guys said, you're kind of 50% work, 50% play. So that play maybe is a much bigger slice than perhaps other folks that might optimize for a different role. And if couples or individuals just want to get specific about what the goals are, then they can probably look to optimize their roles to fit within that goal. And sometimes it's not pursuing leadership or advancement if it's going to require more meetings, it sounds like. Yeah, I would think the key point there is like figuring out what you want. And if you 
really want to go and travel and be in a van like we do, then there are positions out there. You know, there's so much availability that you can figure out roles that will allow you to make as much money as you need or want and still do the things that you want as well. That's, that's another thing is like we haven't talked about the actual financial side of things, but it's we're not dirtbags here either. We're doing fine. We're doing better than we were when we were actually not in a van. Let's find out. It's funny you say that. Ramit Sethi this week is doing a series on another couple. I think it's one of his team members that lives in a van and they actually shared their actual finances. And their sort of point is if you take away a house payment and your car payment gets a little bit bigger, but basically becomes your house payment and you don't have all of the other costs of a house that you would normally have, you're right. The budget takes shape pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, you just get to go and experience other places that may be not as expensive as where your big city home was. We lived in Seattle and even to have a small little spot that we rented was very expensive. And now we're finding all these other places that we could even... Right now, we're looking to buy properties in these places because we've loved them so much and we can see growth opportunities. Not that we'll never necessarily settle down, but we've been saving for the last four years and we have the opportunity to invest in places that are going to continue growing and be cool and that we may want to settle down at some point. So there's all of these interesting opportunities that have come up from traveling more. Great perspective. So it's even opened up more, more opportunities than just the initial goals that you set. Well, this was super fun. Thank you guys for taking the time and opening it up. Anything else that we didn't cover that you think we should have asked or advice that you would share with folks? I would say the biggest thing that we run into with our friends and family and the people that we meet along the road is that if you want to try a different lifestyle, even if it's scary, you can usually go back to what you were doing before. And it's worth it to take the jump to try and do something that you think will be really fulfilling for yourself because a lot of times it will be. And like I cannot even imagine if we wouldn't have done this and taken the risk because it is so much better than what we had before. You know, I don't want to say like, you know, our life is perfect by any means, but we live such a cool life and I'm so happy that we took the risk and we continue to take these risks. Great point. And the and if it fails, you just go right back to where you were before. So failing isn't really failing. Absolutely. I think that a lot of times people think too hard on that and they're like, well, I can't get the job or I feel like I I won't be able to get back to where I was. But there's all kinds of opportunities around there if you needed it to be there. Yeah. I think also just don't be afraid to ask the questions. The worst thing that can happen is your boss or your colleagues can say no and that's fine. But there's so many people who are doing this now, especially that you have such a wide range of people that you can showcase and say, well, these folks are doing this and these folks are doing this. And all of that is out there on social media, on blogs. You know, When we started, we had a handful of people who were working full-time that we could find, but it was not like it is today. So just use those resources and ask questions and don't be afraid to ask for something if you think it would really add fulfillment to your life. Because to Joe's point, this is probably the most fulfilling thing that we could have done. Absolutely agree. I've super enjoyed joining Lee, our close friends of mine. We talk every single week and I've, I've snuck in a few van adventures myself, not quite four years worth, but uh, it's, it's coming soon enough. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with our group and being available for questions. And I know we can stay in touch. If folks have more questions they'd like to follow up with, we'll link in the show notes to that as well. But go enjoy 
Jackson in what looks to be a beautiful, sunshiny, if not frigid day there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Kendra. It's always awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. 